Hello, I'm Father Dan Serratori from the St. Benedict's Catholic Community in Burwood, Melbourne, and welcome to our podcast. We hope you're blessed by this homily recorded at our Sunday Mass. May it enrich you and may it inspire you to embrace more fully the love, the life, and the mission of Jesus. Enjoy. Our first reading today comes it's from the book of Samuel, but it's in the middle of what is, what is really quite an extended saga of the reigns of King Saul and King David. So I wanted to just trace a bit of the, the context of this saga. So this is about 1000 BC, roughly, and Saul has been chosen to be the first king of God's people, the first king of all of Israel, and the whole kingdom is united under him. He's a great warrior and a great leader, so he's God's man to lead the people, and he does, he does some great things, but then he also does some not-so-great things and doesn't follow God's will in certain ways, so God turns his favour away from Saul. And then David is chosen as the new, the new chosen one of God to be king after Saul. But instead of David becoming king straight away, there's, there's quite a long period where Saul is still king, up until he dies and David is serving under him. So in this period, we have Saul feeling very threatened and often getting very angry with David because he thinks that the people like him more. He thinks that David's going to steal his throne. So he's jealous of him. He's threatened by him in different ways. And on many occasions, he tries to kill him. Um, sometimes David's actually just standing in Saul's court playing the guitar for him and he throws a spear and tries to hit him. And thankfully, David's agile and, and managed to dodge it. But sometime later, we find today in our first reading, we have Saul has gone out with an army to hunt David down and kill him. He's, he's very clearly opposed to him at this point. <laughs> he's hunting David and his followers down, gone out into the wilderness searching for him. But... Saul and his camp have gone to sleep at night, the whole army that's with him, and David with his mate Abishai comes down into the camp looking for Saul, and he, he ends up right in Saul's tent, and, da- and Saul, as well as everybody else, is put into a nice deep sleep, so they're not woken up by anything, they're peacefully slumbering, they don't even know that David's there. And I'm wondering, what was David thinking as he comes down into the camp that night? Was he drawn to come down to Saul looking for revenge or looking to do away with Saul who was trying to kill him, who's been, who's been after his life for many years by this point? Was David wanting to kill him? Or was he perhaps thinking, oh, I can, I can show Saul kindness and perhaps he'll turn his heart back towards me and he'll love me and he'll see the good side of things. Um, I don't know what the wrestling that was going on in David's heart was, but he decides, as we heard in the reading, that he, he respects that God has chosen Saul to be king of Israel. And he says, I'm not going to turn my hand against him. I'm not going to strike him down. Um, and even though there's you know, no doubt this kind of tension in his heart from this man who's, who really hates him and is coming after him, David gives us what's a great example of what Jesus is talking about in the gospel today, where he says, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who treat you badly. Here we have Saul who's hating David and going after his life, and David's able 
to show him that kindness and spare his life um, and show him that respect. So even though I, ho I hope you don't have anybody who's coming after you with an army trying to put you to death, um, we can still learn something from David's example as to what it looks like for us to love our enemies. And the first question that I want to kind of crack open for us is who are our enemies? When Jesus gives us this challenge to, to love our enemies, um, pray for those who hate us, who are those enemies that we find in our life? Now, in some ways, there, there might be people who are openly opposed to you, who are, you know, trying to undo your good works, who are trying to undermine, you know, your, your reputation or what you're trying to achieve. And this might be in your, in your work sphere, in your social circles, or even in your family. I know that it can happen that we have broken and hateful relationships in family. Those are the, the easy enemies to identify when people are directly opposed to us. We can also find some hidden enemies, enemies of ours that might not be so obvious, because in David's case, it was very clear that Saul was his enemy. But we see as he goes and he has this opportunity to kill Saul, that Abishai, his mate, who's come along with him, is not really thinking about David's good because he's encouraging him to do this violence and to kill Saul which is not what God's calling him to do at all. So there are perhaps people in our lives who, who might seem like they're in our corner, who might seem like they want our good, but really they're, they're leading us astray. They're not really looking out for our good. They're not, they're not wanting our good and leading, and leading us in the right direction. So we might find enemies in that sense as well. But another way that another category of people who might be our enemies are simply people that we don't like. Uh, we might not be directly opposed to them, but we, perhaps we just don't like them because we can't agree with them. We can't see eye to eye with them. Perhaps um, we think of someone as stupid or incompetent or something like that, and we've just put them in that I don't like that person category. And this, perhaps it's someone that we're jealous of for some reason, and therefore we we don't want to associate with them. Now, this, this can be people that we're actually in contact with, or it might be people that we just sort of see in passing, or people that are kind of out of our circles. Like, I, I think of even when I'm driving on the roads, somebody slow comes in front of me, or somebody does something stupid, and I'm like, ah, you're such an idiot. Um, you know, that's only in my head, and I try and do away with those thoughts. But when we think of people in that way, we're only thinking of them as an obstacle to us. We're not seeing them as a person, as our brother and sister, and that's, in some sense, making them our enemies. They're an obstacle that we need to get rid of, rather than a person in front of me whom I can discover and encounter and love. So the next question for us then is, is how is it that we love our enemies? Jesus gives us some basic instructions, but I want to tease them out a little bit. He says to love our enemies and to do good to them. But it's important to note that loving and doing good is not something that's exclusively for our enemies. Jesus only encourages us to do this because we wouldn't naturally want to do good to those who are our enemies, but we would naturally do good to those who we love, those who we like, 
our friends, those who we're on good terms with. So this, this instruction to love our enemies is really about turning them from our enemies to, to being like our friends, changing our attitude towards them. And so an easy way to consider, you know, perhaps when I experience this person as my enemy, all I want to do to them is, is do harm to them or shout at them or be angry at them. But I could ask myself, what would I do if this person was actually my friend? What would I do if this was my loved one that was before me? Or as Jesus says, treat others as you would like them to treat you. How would I like to be treated if I was on the receiving end of this? Another thing I think that's important is to look at what loving our enemies is not. And loving our enemies does not mean simply being a doormat. If somebody's hurting us in some way, if they're opposed to us and hurting us in some way, we don't just have to lie down and take it and let ourselves be hurt, let ourselves be destroyed by someone's malice against us. Now, it may, it may be that God calls us to persist in loving someone, stay in a relationship with someone, even though that's, that's painful to us or hurtful to us, and we can discern that with God. He'll give us the grace if he's calling us to continue to love someone in that sort of way. But it is okay if we love ourselves by separating ourselves from someone who's hurting us, someone who is against us, who's opposed to us in some way. It's okay to remove ourselves from that relationship or remove ourselves from that environment that's hurting us because loving ourselves, caring for ourselves is also what God calls us to. And loving the person who's hurting you can also look like pointing out to them the effect that they're having on you. You know, the fact that they're hurting you is actually bad for them as well and as well as defending yourself and caring for yourself in that, it's seeking their good to point out somebody's faults, to point out the impact that someone's having on you. And none of this is easy, of course, but God calls us and he gives us the grace to, to, to love in this really challenged, challenging sort of way. The other thing that particularly David's example shows to us is that loving our enemies never means getting revenge. We can, when we're, when we're feeling hurt or we're feeling that someone's opposed to us or has done some injustice to us, there's very easily that reaction that comes forward that says, I need to get even with them. I need to get back at them. I need to show them what they've done to me and, and even up the score. And it can seem even sometimes like God gives me the opportunity to get back at this person. You know, the the situation aligns and, oh, I've got, a, I've got a window where I can actually do this. I can show them how much they've hurt me or I can get back at them. But that's the situation David finds himself in. But instead of seeing it as an opportunity to get back at Saul, an opportunity to get his revenge or get his justice, he sees it, he accepts it from the Lord as an opportunity to show mercy. He has this, this situation where he's in Saul, right before Saul, and Saul's sleeping, but he takes it as an opportunity to love his enemy, an opportunity to show kindness and to show respect for Saul. 
And so, instead of seeking to punish those who've hurt us or get back at our enemies, that's, when, we, when we do that, we're, we're kind of living in the enmity that's in our hearts. We're, we're fostering that, that hatred that we might have for this person. And um, very easily, if the, the feelings of hatred or anger are coming in us, they can stew and turn into resentment, and, and that's not good for us even to feel. But this command to love that Jesus gives us is about overturning that enmity, changing our hearts and accepting that this person is not my enemy but my brother or sister and choosing to love them. And one of the other ways Jesus describes treating our enemies is that he says, pray for those who treat you badly. And this is really the simplest way that we can start to try and love our enemies. We, it's the easiest first step because when, when we're feeling hatred or anger towards someone, when we feel that we're totally opposed to someone and we don't kind of will their good at all, it's an easy first step that we can take to, to ask God that his will would be done for them, which is their good. And perhaps even the prayer that we can make is not... Lord, I want you to do good for this person, but Lord, I, I can't pray for this person, but I want to pray for this person. I want to love that person. Help me to, help me to love them. Help me to turn my heart around. If that's the, the only place we can start from, then that's a good place to start because in essence, loving our enemies can only happen when we open up our hearts to let God's love come in so that we can allow God's love to fill us and we can love those who we see as our enemies with that supernatural sort of love that God wants to give us. Because the, the real example that's before us of loving our enemies is the way that Jesus loves us. As he dies on the cross and he says to those who are crucifying, but not, not only to those who are crucifying him, but he says to all of humanity in our sinfulness as we've made him our enemy, he says to us, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So, God proves his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because the very essence of sin is that we have made ourselves enemies of God. We've turned away from him. We've put ourselves at odds with him. And that not only put us at odds with God, but it, put, it puts us at odds with one another. This is why we experience one another as our enemies. We are in sin, so we hurt one another. We try and love one another, but we still, we do silly things and we fail. We hurt one another and then we get angry and we get resentful to one another and we see each other as enemies. So Jesus is still able to love these men even as they're putting nails through his hands and his feet because he knows that they're not evil men. They're just poor children of the Father who are lost in sin and don't know how to love. And so we can only love our enemies if we're convinced that these enemies of ours are not evil people who, who need to be punished, but that they are 
brothers and sisters of ours who, just like us, are lost in sin and don't know how to love properly. And even if it's simply to pray for them, we can share in that saving love of God. That love that puts aside the enmity, that goes past the enmity and chooses to will the good of the other. We can pray for our enemies and we can bless them because we've known a God who loves them. We know a God who loves even his enemies and by that love saves us. You can find reflection questions for this homily at stbenedicts.com.au forward slash homily. Thanks for joining us today and have a great week.